Hello and welcome back to the Who's He podcast. I hope you're all doing well out there amongst these uncertain times and I think as this one goes, this recording goes out, um, snow has hit the UK as well. So in March, unbelievably, what a, this is absolutely mad. Uh, There's blossom on the trees and snow on the ground. Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, let's get on down to business. So on this episode, uh, I'm going to be joined by a special guest, Jim Cameron, an old friend of the show. And we're going to be talking about the Peter Cushing Dalek movies. And that will be Doctor Who and the Daleks and Dalek Invasion Earth 2150 AD. It's two films I'm sort of very, very, very fond of. So we'll um, we'll talk about them a bit later on. But before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, for those of you who haven't been keeping up with current events, uh, I've introduced two new strands of the Who's He podcast uh, to cover sort of non-Doctor Who related content. So that's Who's He TV and Who's He at the Movies. Now, basically, all this is, um, it's audio-only versions of the YouTube videos uh, that I've been putting up recently on our dedicated channel. Um, They are slightly enhanced as audio-only versions. That means I can include clips and stuff, which I can't really get away with on YouTube, uh, on our YouTube channel, mainly being because I cannot figure out how to get around the copyright content. It drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, So, uh, yeah. There you go. So this is a, this is an easy way out, um, and I think it also uses up less um, less space of, of my monthly allowance uh, from our podcast hoster as well. Just putting up audio only versions rather than uploading the YouTube videos as I have been doing um, in recent uh, recent months. So just a, a new little strand. I thought it'd just be good just to separate out from all the Doctor Who content as well. Um, so it's. Uh, yeah, just a slight little rebranding, and hopefully it sort of makes sense to have sort of three separate streams: so one for TV stuff, one for movies, and one for Doctor Who. So there we go. That that's all I've that's all I've really done. So um, with that little bit of housekeeping over and done with, uh, let's well let's go over to me introducing Jim. And joining me for this discussion on the Peter Cushion films today, we have Jim Cameron from not one but two podcasts: <laughs> the Criminal Podcast and the Mutoid Podcast. Jim, welcome back to who's he thanks for having me back uh, always lovely to be here yes. excellent excellent so um actually before we sort of begin actually obviously um i think the last time you were on here you were just doing the crinod podcast um mm-hmm. so what made you start the mutoid podcast dedicated to blake Seven, in case people didn't understand the, the mutoid reference there uh, yeah i mean if you do watch blake Seven, you might wonder why we picked a minor set of sort of vampiric <laughs> Uh, troopers uh, to name the podcast <laughs> it's simply because it sounds like crinoid podcast which uh, has been <laughs> has been going for, for uh what 13 years or something but uh yeah it's basically wow. uh, uh we were always going to do uh blake seven after we'd finished uh doctor who and uh, we had about three years left to do on doctor who and then some family circumstances changed and i had considerably less time to devote to podcasts and uh anyone's ever listened to a crinoid podcast uh knows how long every episode is and uh, it, uh, they might be more surprised to learn that quite a lot of editing goes on in on that um, and of course it all takes it all takes time uh, and you know just getting getting ready for the thing and then the editing thing after it's just it's just too much so we decided to put that on pause although we are releasing the odd crinod podcast doctor Who episode every now and then uh, but then start on Blake seven and just give that the, the four years and, and get that one done because, uh, you know, the much shorter episodes are much easier to deal with, really. So we've just finished 
at the time of recording, uh, Series A, uh, as we're supposed to call the uh, the Blake Seven series or seasons, whatever you prefer. Um, yes. Uh, we're having a pause uh, while we do Keeper of Trakan back on the Crinoid podcast, and then we'll be back on to Redemption, the first story of Series B uh, on the Mutide podcast. So, um, yep, yeah, always busy, always uh, shouting my mouth off down a mi- microphone uh, <laughs> at, at somewhere <laughs> in the ether. And uh, you've been foolish enough to invite me onto your podcast to do the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I mean, obviously, obviously you're also sort of a, a part-time host on Strangers in Space as well, aren't you, at the moment? Yeah, that's a recent uh, a recent uh, addition to uh, my podcasting. Yeah, it's like a big uh, a big collective uh, uh, for for that <laughs> that podcast. So, uh, you know, there's some people who are pretty much on every podcast and there's a few people who dip in and out. I'm in the latter category. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm getting to talk about you know different stuff because you know I, I know, normally tend to talk about Blake Seven or Doctor Who. So uh, yeah, I'm spreading my wings slightly, which is fun. Yes, as am I on this podcast as well. So we're talking about other other things and different um, mm, sort yeah. of strains for the show as well. So I think I think we're I think we're in our I think it's our twelfth year now. Um, this this month actually with wow. twelve years of Who's He. So um, yeah, so I think it's inter- It's good to talk about something other than Doctor Who <laughs> <laughs> now and again. <laughs> good for your sanity, isn't it? Occasionally, indeed, indeed. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, obviously that that kind of leads into what we're going to discussing today because um, obviously this is Doctor Who, but not as as you know it. Um, mm-hmm. This is oh god, god the, the horror, Jim, non-canon <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> oh. I can't I have a shower after watching these. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we're going to begin with um, 1965's Doctor Who and the Daleks. It began just as you see here. You know what you have just done. You have transferred us in time and space, and I hadn't even set the controls. Now I don't know where we are. We could be anywhere in the universe and at any time. Yes, this is how it began. The adventure that started by accident, taking us out of this time and place to a lost planet. Who's there? Who's there? Come with us into that strange new world. I cannot guarantee your safety, but I can promise you unimagined thrills. They know we've escaped. They're cutting through the door. Come with us to the petrified forest. Meet the Thals, the blonde giants who have survived the monstrous rule of the Daleks. We must get to the city. They could have scanners here. Anything. I'm going back. No, you're not. We'll all be killed. We'll never defeat the Daleks. We are watching you. We can destroy you. It's a trap! Go back! Run! These are the people trapped by the Daleks. Doctor Who, the brilliant science professor. The young man who triggered off this strange journey. 
the professor's frightened granddaughter, and the youngster who inherited her grandfather's adventurous spirit. <coughs> Doctor Who and the Daleks. Now you can see them in color on the big screen, closer than ever before. So close, you can feel their fire. So thrilling, you must be there. Abra, look behind you! Stop the countdown! The bomb will destroy the planet! Um, so what, 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 when did you first see this particular movie? Do you have any sort of particular memories of it at all? Uh, very difficult to, to remember when I first saw it, because it, um, we're a similar vintage, aren't we? Um, they, yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> we are. They, they used to repeat this a lot. I think slightly more than the second film. Uh, I think this has been mm. more than that. Um, I tried to look up um, the broadcast dates on TV for this, and... Yeah, you know, someone cleverer than me can probably do that. I couldn't find anything, um, so I've, I, I, I was unable to pin it down. Really, what would be the most likely early time? But it would have been early seventies. And I'm I'm also wondering mm. it's the first time I ever saw the Daleks was in in one of these films. Um, again, difficult to tell because my dad and, and older brother were big fans of Doctor Who, so it's just always been there, you know. Um, yeah. As old as I am, uh, <laughs> there was never any Doctor Who <laughs> before. <laughs> you know, uh, I was born in, into the run of Doctor Who's, into the, uh, well, late Trout, I suppose, of course, I don't remember any of that. Um, yeah, so I either saw um, Day of the Daleks first or I, I saw one of these first. I suspect it may well have been this. Yeah, because I've, I've actually got very, very vivid memories of first seeing this because I, oh. I was round at my cousin's house. And we're all used to watch Doctor. And this would have been the seventies, and it would have been during Tom Baker's tenure um, as the Doctor. But I, can't, I don't know the exact year. As, as you said, maybe greater minds can can find this <laughs> out when it was actually broadcast. But I remember it was on a Saturday morning before Grandstand. Yeah, and I remember we were all insanely excited. There was there was I think myself, my sister, and my two cousins were playing out in the garden. And I, we kept asking my, me in particular, kept asking my aunt, "Is it on yet? Is it on yet?" And no, no, not yet. So, um, so eventually, when it came, we all sat down on the floor watching it, and it probably might have even been on a black and white television as well. So that yeah. the whole multicolour of <laughs> sort of aspect of this, or technical aspect, I should say, aspect of this movie was completely lost on us. I think because it's all in black and white. Yeah, but, me too. Yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. So that that's my that's my sort of abiding memory of it. Um, what what was your impression of it when you first? Because obviously this is as a, this is not Doctor Who, as you know, for people who haven't seen the Peter Cushing movies, uh, it's it sort of sort of follows the plot beats of the TV version, doesn't it? But mm. it sort of skirts around a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, a lot of passage. <laughs> if you watch, you know, the Daleks or the Mutants or whatever you want to want to call the TV version. Of this, there is a lot of yeah. fat, fat that could be trimmed, uh, and they <laughs> and they do trim a lot of fat, you know, to get it into the format. It's an eighty-minute film, isn't it? This one. Um, That's right. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I had nothing to compare it to because it's decades before I saw 
you know, since seeing this film and then seeing the TV version. Uh, and then, of course, yeah. the, the target book adds to confusion because a lot of that's very different as well. Um, you know, <laughs> the exciting adventure with the Daleks has, you know, got completely rewritten beginning and, uh, um, and you know, it's occasional plot beat that's not in either of them. <laughs> you know, let, yeah. Let alone <laughs> the film. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my abiding memory really is... Um, well, partly the Dalek zooming about, um, the Dalek claw coming out of the uh, the cape, you know, when they pull it out of the uh, the Dalek uh, yes. chassis. We're uh, wearing gold nail varnish as well. Yeah, nice. Very, <laughs> nice, yes. I don't think the Thals and the Carlos were really that different, were they? To be honest. Not about, really, no. There's a lot of eyeshadow work. Yeah, the amount, of, the <laughs> amount of cosmetics going on there. Yeah. I think, I'm sure they could have just <laughs> sat down and talked it through, you know, swap cosmetics and, you know, none of this needed to have happened. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but my but most abiding memory, though, is, and I think I might have conflated two sort of images from the film. One is, um, you know, that um, sort of rocky hillside leading up to the Dalek City. Um, mm. where um, uh, Susie has to uh, has to go down when she has to go and collect the uh, the drugs. Uh, it's not that kind of film, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, honestly, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she's not a drugs mule. It's not that different to the televised version. <laughs> yeah, if anything, they went the other way, didn't they? Um, yeah, it was the sixties after all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was that, and you know all the people climbing up it. But I think I might slightly be conflating that with that. You know, there's a really lovely sort of matte painting of uh, Scaro, isn't it? And uh, uh, there's like a physical thing that the actors are climbing up, and then they quite cleverly cut scenes, and then um, so they don't you have uh, the actors climbing over the matte painting area. Uh, you yes. come back to it, and then the matte painting at the bottom is now in place, and at the top you've got the actors. Um, so that uh, that's a really stunning image of a really sort of high climb I think I might have conflated the two because my memory of that slope coming in front of the Dalek City was it was absolutely enormous when it's, it's about 20 yeah. feet or something <laughs> oh, no no yeah, exactly but, yeah <laughs> but uh, those are things that really really stuck in my mind and um, Roy Castle who I would have known from uh, even at that age I think I would have known from the record breakers um, and in those days you didn't mm. I don't think you noticed that kind of division between presenter an actor as much as uh, you would later, maybe. Um, I think because, you know, a lot of times that some presenter will be dragged into some kid's BBC thing where they had to act for a bit, you know, play away or <laughs> like the Christmas thing when everyone seemed to sort of turn up no matter what part of the BBC they worked in. Oh, um, God, yeah, the, the, the BBC Christmas pantomime, wasn't it? Every, yeah, you get Everybody used to pitch up in there, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so to, as a kid, that didn't jar at all. And then I think I actually saw a clip on... Uh, of um, uh, Peter Purvis playing Stephen Taylor in Dalek Master Plan. They showed that on Blue Peter once. So again, I was just kind of yeah. used to seeing people presenting and acting at the same, same time. But yeah, I, I really liked Roy Castle. still do, actually. Um, and so he, he was a, a big memory of that. Not, funnily enough, not really Cushing particularly. It didn't stand in the mind, but those are the things that stood out, out to me. Right, because I, I think... Yeah, obviously, because Roy Castle was a big TV personality mm. at the time, wasn't he? When when yeah. certainly when I saw this on on the on, on the television, and I think you're right. You, you you didn't think, oh right, what's he doing in this Dalek movie? It, it was just, oh, it's Roy Castle. He's he's on the telly yeah. again, and that was that was yeah. it really. Um, and I think at that age, not knowing of his his background in sort of doing cabaret, um, mm. which he blamed for 
um, his cancer um, mm. doing, doing the working men's clubs back back in the day as well with all the, the you know because everybody smoked then didn't they yeah. um, but I think it was also one thing I, I didn't know he, he, he starred in um, a film with Peter Cushion prior to this one and I, oh, it's yeah. not until recent times I've known which is the Doctor Terror's um, was it House of Horrors House movie? of Horrors yeah 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 um, and again I think they, they got Roy Castle in that one because um, who can play the trumpet Roy Castle can um, that's <laughs> ended that's ended up in the in the jazz section of that <laughs> of yeah that, the, of that the jazz voodoo movie. section yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah I don't know I don't know if, it, if they sort of um, it was a cheap booking for this particular movie or not I, I'm not sure because in all in all but name this this Doctor and the Daleks is, is really an amicus film yeah, it's not yeah. it's not build as such but it technically is isn't it yeah i think there's extra funding came in and and that's why it, it's aru isn't it that it's isn't it aru yeah 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 but you've uh, got but the it, yeah. um you, you've got the, the the two producers milton sabotsky and max j rosenberg yeah yeah exactly so there was amazed me you got these new yorkers come over to britain to make these cheap movies uh, it's yeah. um it always amazed me but i mean i love the amicus films i, I think they're yeah, brilliant but um yeah, I really do. I love them. Um, but yeah, so well, when it comes to Cushing's portrayal of the Doctor, because um, there's obviously a lot of changes made in this because uh, um, both Barbara and Susan are the Doctor's granddaughters in this. Yeah. And yeah. Roy Castle playing Ian Chesterton is Barbara's boyfriend. Yeah. So they were shipping the characters well before <laughs> people <laughs> yeah. were in, in later years. They, they really were. But... Um, so, but what do you think of Cush's portrayal? Because he's in this, he's not a time lord. He is a human inventor. Yeah. Um, and he sort of plays as very, as a very sort of how can I put it? sort of very very grandfatherly in this. There's, there's none of that Hartnell irascibility or sort of alien like no. qualities performance, is there? No, none at all. He's he's. Um... It's like the Hartnell performance, but you're only uh, retaining the twinkle and <laughs> and chucking the rest, isn't it? Yes, he's a, a very yeah. sort of tw- twinkly granddad figure, isn't he? Um, yeah, I mean the reason he's cast obviously is because it's uh, uh, it's a film and they wanted a big name, and of course he was uh, obviously more famous for Hammer, but he he did do Amicus workers um, as well, and of course that's why Roy, Roy Castle is also cast, and partly because he's on I don't mm. know if he's on some kind of retainer with Amicus, which might have made him cheaper. but Could you know, be, yeah. I'd like to think so, actually. <laughs> yeah, and he's a big name uh, with the kids. So, um, and of course, the, the, the TV cast are incredibly busy because it's practically a, you know, it's practically a 12-month-a-year job, isn't it, that? Um, so, yeah, yes, for, a number right. of, yeah. You know, for a number of reasons we get Peter Cushing. I, I, I like his portrayal. Like you say, it's... It's devoid of subtext completely. His his, yes. <laughs> his portrayal, even the bit where where um, um, you know, sort of rather meanly in the original story, the Doctor sort of pockets the uh, fluid link, doesn't he? To, so that they have That's to right. go, yeah, you know, or, or it seems that they have to go and explore the city to do that. I mean, that same plot device is here, but there's absolutely no comeback from Ian on it. <laughs> When the, no, the, when no. Doctor Doctor Who reveals that he's done this, so Ian sort of says, oh, "Okay, <laughs> something along those lines." He says, yeah, no, "No, exactly. There's no room for antagonism no, there's, there's, between any of the." No, there's the not. Team. There's not. Yeah. Not at all. 
I, I think he's um, well. Roy Castle's that he's really the comic relief of this film, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, even yeah. from the opening scenes where he's he's sat on the box of chocolates <laughs> um, that he's that he brought round Barbara, even to um, when they actually get to to the Dalek city with the bit with the um, with the door. Um, uh, now it, that in, goes in the on too long. Version, <laughs> it goes way too long. Um, it's not funny either. But no, yeah. <laughs> but but the thing is it, that they've turned that sort of that thing where in the tv version where they try to figure out the puzzle how to you know to get into the city just for a comedic skit for roy mm. castle yeah. to do really so it was um yeah so he, that's what he was there for um mainly but no, he, he does do the action stuff towards the end yeah. but um yeah which is uh which is yeah, it was good it was good to good to see but obviously i do you feel that cushing played the doctor a little bit too old yeah yeah, yeah, he does. He's, he's, uh, I was looking it up today. He was 52 uh, when it came out, so he may even have been 51 when he was <laughs> being recorded. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he has to, he's, he's going for it, you know, for, in terms of the old the old man thing. And probably, I mean, in the kind of traditions of the theatre or whatever, that is how you would do it. You wouldn't do it like that now. You'd be much more mm. subtle with it. It'd be more about, you know, like your movement perhaps being slightly more... <laughs> pained or whatever yeah. uh, not this sort of um twitchy sort of i don't know kind of like an old bird he's kind of <laughs> crooked back back sort of thing that that he does i mean it's a nice portrayal but it's you know you can't say it's naturalistic an old man it wouldn't really act like that uh, it reminds me no. a bit of um travers when you know travers comes back from the abominable snowman mm. into the web of fear and, and um uh, that actor whose name uh, it shouldn't escape me, Jack Watling. Jack, Jack Watling, Watling. Uh, yeah, yeah. Over, to, to differentiate between the two, he really overplays the old. And look, this isn't as bad as that, but it is a little too much for modern eyes, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, actually. But, I mean, the thing about Peter Cushing, he's one of my favourite actors because he has appeared in some terrible films. <laughs> but... Yeah, yeah. He's always good in them. He never yeah. ever put put in a bad performance, yeah. ever. Um, and I, I I really really liked him. But one th- interesting thing is that Terry Nation um, didn't like his portrayal of the yeah. Doctor whatsoever. Mm. He thought it was it was far too kind um, a portrayal and preferred Hartnell's more sort of crotchety version. Um, yeah. Really, but um, I remember. I remember some years ago we did do we did an audio commentary for this film, oh. and I think one of us remarked um, um, about about Cushing is that um, he he didn't do that crotchety sort of rasability. He he did. He could be more sort of more of a cold performance. If you look at something like Grand Moff Tarkin. He's very cold yes, in that. He wasn't. Cool. That was his version of evil. He wasn't sort of cackling or anything. He never did that kind of evil. Even when he's, he come to playing Frankenstein, mm. he, he played it as a very cold character and, and yeah. unfeeling. I think that's what he he did well, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, um, which you don't want from the Doctor in this kind no. of movie, do you? No, you don't. I mean, this is very much a family movie, and I think that's why they're you know they're literally more family, you know, in the in the TARDIS crew. Um, is to give yeah. that feeling, yeah. And uh, Ian obviously is already no- known to them, and you know they're, they're friendly with him already. Obviously, Barbara more so. Um, although, yes. <laughs> although there's absolutely zero chemistry between 
Roy Carson. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. In fact, there's no no chemistry with Jenny Linden and anyone, to be honest. Um, no, I no. I don't. So. I don't. Uh, I don't really like Jenny Linden in this. In fact, I've only seen her in one other thing. I didn't like her in that either. It's the Frighteners. Do you know the the, the uh, anthology series, the Frighteners, early seventies. I think. I I have very distant memories of that. Yeah. Actually, very distant memories. Well, I could I couldn't name the the one she was in though. Yeah, she, again, she was just quite unlikable in that. Um, so yeah, I, I think she's maybe the weak link in in this, and she gets nothing to do, mm. you know, apart from you know sticking the angel delight on on the front of the uh, <laughs> the Dalek side piece. That's <laughs> quite. I thought it was quite nice of Daleks giving them four different flavors of angel delight when they were when they're. I prisoners. know exactly. Yeah, that not as bad as all that. That's oh, very, they're not really, are they? Actually, quite kind to actually feed them in the first place. Actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, I mean, I, I, do you know what? I, I think the one the one character that comes out well of this movie, and that is Susan, played by Roberta mm. Tovey, because um, yeah. I think she's really the she's the brains of the outfit, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. isn't she? Yeah, in a, in a way, yeah. I mean, obviously, she's much younger than um, the TV Susan, um, mm. and, but I think it works in this because, as I say, it's a much more family film, and I think that's why you don't get a, a crotchety doctor and. Uh, and all the kind of antagonism between Ian and the Doctor and Barbara and the Doctor yeah, wouldn't work here anyway on a one-off, you know, which you'd expect no. at the time to be a one-off family film. No. It's just, you know, it's, it's just not an ongoing saga where that you can watch characters develop and stuff. You just want to get in there with this with this group. Uh, I think I think she works really well. I, it's even uh, I'm always struck by the vulnerability of the TV Susan having to go through the petrified. Uh, jungle to the TARDIS is even even more palpable here isn't it with this Susan because she's so young and she's absolutely yes. on her own in, in this this unknown place um, and I think she she acts it really well the, you know like the fear and everything uh, apparently she was um, she did very well that uh, in the acting stakes you know very few um, you know mistakes or anything like that apparently Gordon Fleming the director um, made a pact yeah. with her. He'd give her a, a shilling for every scene she got in one take, and she got twenty-one shillings at the end of the film. Oh, um, wonderful! Yeah, um, she comes back obviously for the second film. That deal was no longer on the table, apparently. <laughs> Gordon Fleming realised. I he was wonder onto why. To a loser. I know, I know, the, I know the, the budget was tight for this movie. I, as I understand, it was about hundred twenty thousand pounds. I think yeah. the budget for this, but uh, yeah, yes. there were no, no shillings left for that kind of behaviour. No, uh, it wasn't. No, exactly, exactly. Um, but it's quite. Uh, yeah, so I mean, obviously. The, yeah, sorry, go on, mate. Sorry, sorry. Uh, it's, just, it's quite sweet, actually, that, that Peter Cushing made it a condition of him doing the second film that Roberta Toby would at least be invited to do it. But, you know, he said, like, I'll do it if she does it, uh, which is like a really oh, sweet thing. I mean, he seems like a he's like a very lovely man, isn't he? And uh, that's just another yeah. example of it, I think. Um, maybe he didn't. Yeah, it sounds like a, a very Peter Cushing thing to do that, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Very Cushing-y. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes. I mean, maybe, maybe he was worried he might get some brat he didn't get on with in the next film. <laughs> but, <I don't> <laughs> uh, but obviously, yeah, they're very oh, just exterminator. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, Peter, love, you can't say that, even if you think it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, another nice little Peter Cushy thing about this film was, um, as well when they find that flower um, mm. in the petrified forest, he wrote off to the horticultural society. 
to to give it give it a proper scientific name. Yeah. Um, which I thought was which I thought again was a very cushiony thing mm. to do. I think I think it was a lovely thing to just as little details. Like, it means mm. nothing to anybody else. Just the fact he he he, he treated it with all seriousness. Which I this is why yeah. I wonder is I love Peter Cushing. It didn't matter what film he was in. He treated everything with utter respect and, and gave it his all. Yeah, it's an and utter I think that's why I love him. Yeah, yeah, and it comes through. It always comes through in the work when you're professional about it, doesn't it? And, yeah, and it, do, it does with him every time. You know, you know, no matter what it is. You know? Yeah, uh, and, and like yeah. you say, he's been, he's been in some right cack, but I mean, he he's always good in whatever it is. Yes, he does. <laughs> So um, I suppose we sort of better get on to sort of like you know, they're sort of reaching the Dalek city. Now, one of the things I, mm. I, I liked or I thought was interesting, actually, uh, despite their sort of limited budget, uh, was that the Dalek city was actually built to scale within the studio. So what they saw in the distance, uh, the, what, the, the whole city was actually built on the soundstage. Oh, good Lord. I didn't, didn't realise that. I thought yeah. it was a model, sh- a model yeah. shop when they look at it in the distance. No, no, not at all. So it was actually built. So that that must have eaten out a lot of the hundred twenty seven, one hundred twenty thousand pounds, however much it was <laughs> budget for this Can't for this bet. movie. Um, yeah. Which I thought was amazing, actually. So um, I don't know if it's because um, I think that I think that's why you see it behind the forest um, yeah. a lot to sort of make it hide some of the shortcomings of, of, of filming it that way. But uh, but I think it it, it works okay. anyway. Yeah, 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 I really love was. it. You know, well, it's a great city. I mean, of course, you know, a lot, even though we would have seen it in in black and white <laughs> uh, for quite a few years before we saw it in color. I mean, it it, it really pops, doesn't it, when you see it in color? It's uh, oh it's yeah, a re- it's yeah. a real slice of sixties futurism, isn't it? Um, oh even yeah. la- lava lamps <laughs> in there, aren't there? Oh one, yes, uh, <laughs> uh, that uh, uh, lava lamp corner, didn't they, in the control room? Did they? yeah. Yeah, sometimes the Daleks just sit there and gaze at them in my time off. Um, I know yeah. I used to. I used to have a lava lamp. They're fantastic things. <laughs> yeah, they're quite, they're quite mesmeric. Yeah, I used to have one. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They really are. Really are. Yeah. But uh, I remember, um, obviously, once they get inside um, Dalek City, that there's. I, I saw a review. Um, I think it must have been a review at the day, and they, I think they just said, a, a th- 101 things to do with pink plastic sheeting. Um <laughs> Because, because that's what the inside Dalek City looks like. It's bright pink, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of pink. And they've got those sort of uh, twisted bits of metal that look like sweet wrappers that sort of nailed onto the walls. Yes. You, you know, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy stuff. I mean, the Daleks in this, you know, as, as I think they did in the original, seem to have some kind of eye for art, doesn't it? Because I think, although they chuck yeah. a, a sort of control panel down the lift shaft in this one, it looks like some kind of sculpture they chucked down in the TV version. And there's various sort mm. of pieces of artwork around this thing, which, um, yeah. of course, after a while, the Daleks, you know, as they were ca- sort of characterised, would not do that kind of thing. But in this early stage, you know, they were treated much more as a kind of like a race of people rather than a bunch of sort of nutters in tanks, weren't they? Uh, which are, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think it makes them more interesting, really. Um, but, yeah, there's like lots of nicer touches in the, in the, uh, the city. The Dalek eye-stalk cameras... Are great, aren't they? F- following people down the corridor. Oh, they're great. I mean, I mean, you said that whole. I think it's once you've got the whole corridor for them. They all move yeah. at the same yeah. time that to yeah. follow them. The, the only thing is, though, they fail to spot them, don't they? They're huge. These bloody things hanging <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> it's a, it's a, look over there. Have you noticed it? There's a camera up there. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I wonder how <laughs> they're working out what we're saying. Hmm, I don't know. Oh, no. Exactly. Have you looked oh, up? Dear, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, uh, it's... Um, I'm going to say the Daleks in this, I think they look fantastic. And they're made oh, by yeah. Shawcraft, who who made some of the Daleks for the t- TV versions. Well, and I can't remember if that came before or after this movie, Shawcraft, making props for the for the BBC. Oh, I don't know, because they made the Zabi, didn't they? Which would have been, what, around this sort of time, wasn't it? 65-ish. Um, yeah, I can't remember the first things they made for, for the no, show. No, I can't. I can't. I think, that, I mean, they do look absolutely fantastic. I mean, the, mm. uh, and I think... Sort of echoes of these Daleks have now appeared in sort of modern Doctor Who because you've got the extended yeah. um, ears, like like, yep. like big lamps rather than sort of like the the, the uh, I think they're actually sort of uh, Land Rover indicators they used <laughs> yeah. um, at the time. Um, yeah, and uh, and the massive skirt around the bottom as well, which they sort of mm. reintroduced um, sort of in, in sort of in modern Who. So um, and I think that and they look bigger, they look more imposing. As well, um, and obviously cinema in Technicolor, which people at that time would never have seen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, in wide wide yeah, screen I think and all the great. rest of it as well. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're shot, I, I think it's, they're shot quite well, aren't they? As well, Fleming uh, in both films uh, sometimes shoots them from below uh, to make them look more mm. a bit more imposing. Um, and of course, um, I can't remember. I know that the Daleks were. Um, in the in the comeback were um, designed to be at eye level with Billy Piper, weren't they? Um, yeah. It, it looks like these are eye level with Peter Cushing. He's quite tall, isn't he? Um, yes. So yeah. that works. You, you get quite a, a, a big imposing Dalek. And maybe that be an accent. It might be an accent for this film, but they are. I noticed <laughs> roughly at eye level. Um, yeah, they're big, yeah. big brutes, aren't they? Um, and and I think you need that because. I mean, the original Dalek designs for TV were kind of small and strange, weren't they, rather than scary. Uh, these yeah. are pretty, you know, they're, they're scary because of the size and they look like proper, you know, tanks like the modern Daleks do, rather than something that looks like yeah. it might, might collapse if you sneeze near it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you're right, they're certainly a lot more imposing, even with their fire extinguisher guns, um, which... Yeah. yeah I, I don't, it, kind of, it kind of works. I think, I think even at the... When I first saw this film, I think I was I was slightly disappointed mm. at that because I was expecting because it was a movie. I was expecting sort of like you know lasers and uh, and stuff, but obviously we you know they they couldn't afford that um, on the budget that they had. Um, but obviously, I'd like to have seen the original idea they had, which was flamethrowers. Yeah, uh, which they which they abandoned because they thought it would just burn the set down if they, if they used them. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, they were considered I, I, too too scary as well, weren't they? The other thing is, how do you yeah. shoot? How do you shoot Ian's legs? You know the famous scene where Ian's With, legs. Are <laughs> <eating capacity>. They <laughs> just they it? just put the pilot light on. That's <laughs> <laughs> just go over them, warm them up slightly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm just yeah, going to slightly you, toast your legs. <laughs> yeah, you don't mind, do you, Roy? That'll be, that'll be fine. No, <laughs> but, but you know the the. Um, <laughs> The trailer still has the uh, so close you can feel their fire, doesn't it? Um, which might it be does, more effective yeah. if it was fire. <laughs> it was actually fire, yeah. <laughs> so close you can feel their dry ice. Yeah, it doesn't have the same ring. The other thing is it's slightly, it's slightly sort of a nebulous kind of beam, isn't it? I mean, is it like a like a gas? I mean, how, if you get caught by 
some of it. Is that going to incapacitate you, or do you know what I mean? It's not. There's not a discrete finish to a blast of. of no, dry there's ice, not. Is there? is there really? It's, it's it's all or nothing, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's why they go right up to people and and blast them. You know, several at a time, don't they? Just to make sure you got the message. Sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember being disappointed because I used to love the negative effect. I still do, really. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I do. Uh, and that's, um, I mean, I don't know what I expected the first time I watched this, but you know, certainly after you've seen the negative effect, that's what you expect when a Dalek shoots someone. Uh, and to get this slightly yes. la- lame thing is, uh, yeah, <laughs> slightly disappointing. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. I think the other, um, so we haven't mentioned the Thals yet, have we? Um, obviously, the, the other race of uh, people on Scarrow. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it, it continues the whole thing of them all being blonde, uh, which which was a thing in Doctor Who. Um, I think before Genesis of the Daleks really uh, yeah. came along. Yeah. Um, as as you said, a lot, an awful lot of eyeshadow being used yeah. as well. Um, it, it is funny yes. that when he, when you first see um, is it Aladdin's the main one, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Barry Ingham, um, <laughs> you get you get this. Uh, it sort of pans up from his feet to upwards, doesn't it? Uh, and you think, hang on, what's Julian Clary doing in this film? <laughs> <laughs> it was a Julian Clary cosplay convention, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looked like. Uh, they got massive uh, false eyelashes and stuff. Apparently, the um, you know the extras playing the Thals were. Um, you know, because they're kind of a, a sort of a like a super race, aren't they? You know, they do, they've gone yeah. full, cir- full circle in genetics, and now you know, practically perfect. Um, they got some you know, pretty <laughs> some pretty stacked blokes to to play the 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 thals. Yeah, um, and um, they all had to shave their arms and chests for the film, um, just to oh. give them the, the the look that they that they wanted for the thals. Uh, and they they were really disgruntled by this. And they managed to bargain in. I think it was an extra pound per day or something for, for having had to shave their chests for the production. <laughs> it was the sixties. Well, I didn't times. know that. It's the sixties exactly. The, the, the hairy yeah. chest was a sign of manliness, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Hairy chest and the manly smell of a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and the acrid stench of brute or old spice. <laughs> yeah, you weren't a man without those. Well, I, I, well, I think the. Um, I mean, one of the things I'd, I'd laugh because I've got the um, both these movies on Blu-ray, and it includes the Dalek Mania uh, documentary from oh, yeah. was it 1995 or whenever it was. Yeah, that's very. Have good. you seen that? Uh, yeah, watch it's it very so, good. Uh, well, watch it before this, yeah. I, oh right, I was going to say because um, they've got this interview with Barry when I think it was Yvonne Antrobus as well. Yes, um, Dione and <laughs> Dione, yeah, and. Burying him in that in that documentary, he's wearing this most fantastic toupee. Um, and and what I was about to say is the wig he's wearing in this movie is more convincing than the toupee he's wearing in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> Just go bald, man, for God's sake. Do you embrace yeah. your baldness? I have. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> you, should, you should take a leaf out of your book. That's quite exactly, entertaining. Exactly. <laughs> it's quite entertaining, that, uh, that interview, isn't it? I mean, she, she's, it is. Sorry, that's my dog. Um, she, she's not particularly interesting, but he's he's very funny, isn't he? About about the thing, he obviously looks back on it quite uh, quite fondly. She's quite annoyed actually that she got redubbed, didn't she? Because when they got, did the um, you know do the dubbing after the, all the filming and everything, mm. she wasn't available, so someone else's voice was uh, 
used oh, for no. her, for her. Not that she says much, but um, she she went to the premiere and, and felt uh, very alienated by the fact that it was her face, and body, and someone else's voice. Uh, which must probably I imagine spook, that would that would annoy up. an actor, really. I think. Yeah, I <laughs> yes. think that's, that's not on, is it? Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah, on. I think so. <laughs> Um, but obviously, we, we we spoke a lot about this one. We'll, we'll move on to the, the the next film in a minute. Um, but I think the the sort of the the the, the end to this movie is quite action packed. It's quite well done. Um, mm. Sort of like the, and you've got more Daleks in this movie than the BBC could ever hope to have. Oh yeah, um, yeah. at that time. Um, so the the foul attack on the on the Dalek city at the end, uh, once they sneak inside, I think is very very. Um, very, very well put together. I, I felt actually, um, even though the sort of, I do think that the resolution is a bit, a bit lame. They, the, Ian just gets the darts to shoot the control panel, and they all just cease to move. Um, which yeah, <laughs> was a bit, a bit, a bit convenient. Limp, I thought really, <laughs> yeah, just a bit, just a bit with the old countdown going as well to the neutron bomb going off. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, but I think as a, I think watching it as a kid. And, I, and to be honest, I still love these Peter Cushion films. I think I think they're yeah. really great fun. Um, but I think watching it as a kid, it it was just really exciting to watch. You were watching mm. Daleks in a movie, and, yeah. and and Doctor Who as well. Even if it was the Doctor you knew, mm. um, but you still you still watching Doctor Who and the Daleks in a film, and it was I thought it was fantastic. And I still do. Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah, I mean uh, when I first watched the Doctor, I'd have been used to as. Um, would have been uh, Pertwee, um, and mm. you know it's not so not so very different a, a uh, portrayal from Pertwee in the sense that he's fairly kind of st- st- straight on, you know, it's kind of serious and funny, yeah, you know, like like Pertwee was. I mean, his heart was is is different again, isn't he, from from both of those doctors? And at that yeah. age, you you're not <laughs> looking for specific characterizations and going, oh, I'm not sure my doctor would have done that. Oh, you just you just enjoying <laughs> the spectacle, you know, do Daleks blowing each other up and uh, and all the rest of it. And yeah, I think one of the, exactly. I think I was one of the say, you just, you just, I mean, you just also you just want to turn the telly on and just go right, entertain me, and I've, yeah. that's what this does really. Yeah, yeah sit sit back and be entertained. Um, and certainly the Daleks destroying each other towards the end, you know, is a, is a real a real bonus. There's some, some brilliant Dalek explosions when they sh- shoot each other. There's only one extermination of one Thal in the, is, in this film, isn't there? Which I understand kids complained about because they wanted to see more people getting exterminated, which is <laughs> quite a lot about kids, isn't it? <laughs> Um, this, is, but, yeah. this is what this is what amazes me. They say you must protect the children. Kids want to see murder, death, and mayhem. Don't they? <laughs> yeah, we did. The modern kids do. Nothing has changed. Um, no, exactly, exactly. But, yeah, uh, that is good yeah, fun. I, th- I think the only, I think the only thing that. Um, even when I was a kid, sort of kind of ruined it for me was was Roy Castle pratting about at the end uh, <laughs> with those really huge, well, the stock footage of Romans. <laughs> Yeah. running towards... I say, I can stock footage of Romans. That doesn't make any sense at all. Um, <laughs> Someone had a cine I camera Roman, Ro- <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Romans from another movie running towards the TARDIS that get bigger as they run towards the door as well. They don't quite get the the, the ratio quite right there, do they? Yeah, the, ang- the angle's all wrong. They look like they're going to kind of walk over the top of the TARDIS and they rather walk into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, it goes really badly wrong, doesn't it? But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that, yeah that's you just an get un- him... unfortunate. And it, yeah, yeah. it cracks about like anything, doesn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. I, I actually, before we move on, I said the other thing that did disappoint me when I was a kid um, was the TARDIS interior. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, because that really was just slung together with bits of wires. I, I know they're trying to play up the whole human inventor yeah. aspect to it. Yeah. Um, but it but it was disappointing because when you look at the the TARDIS console, the TARDIS console room you, you get on the television, I, I, as a piece of design, I don't think you can beat it, really. No, it's, it's um, brilliant. I, yeah. I think it's lovely. I really mm. I always have done, always will do. So to see this, um, okay, so we've got the bigger on the inside thing, which is never explained <laughs> uh, oh, in yeah, this movie at all. Or the next yeah, one. Yeah, it's just, it's just there. Yeah, or the next one, I know. Um, I know the next one gets a makeover. Um, it's yeah. slightly more um, in, in keeping with the BBC version. Um, but yeah, I mean, even sort of that you say the fluid link that breaks, it literally is just a bit of hardball with a couple of <laughs> yeah. with a couple of Jubilee clips on there. <laughs> he just pokes it in. doesn't seem to be connected to anything. He's no, exactly. Back in, yeah, that, uh, and off they go. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, that, that, yeah, no, but it's, it's good fun though. It is good fun. Um, so let's move on to the next one then. Uh, Dalek, mm. Dalek's invasion of twenty-one fifty AD. This is invasion Earth twenty-one fifty AD. This is invasion Earth twenty-one fifty AD. Planet Earth has been bombarded by meteorites, subjected to cosmic rays, savagely invaded by men of steel who have no flesh to pierce, no blood to spill. This is 2150 AD, the year when human beings are turned into living dead men, robo-men, the underground slaves of the world's new dictators. Twenty-one fifty A.D., a year that will thrill you and terrify you. A year of rebellion, as a brave handful hold out in a last-ditch battle for human survival. Attention! Resist! And you will be exterminated! Leading the resistance fighters is Peter Cushing, his most thrill-making role. Come along! Aided by Bernard Cribbins, a reluctant traveller. Have you seen the girl? Where's the girl? Ray Brooks, the boy with the knack. Who doesn't find life so easy in the year 2150 AD? Andrew Keir, Jill Kazan, Roberta Toby. All of them fighting to the death a mobilised band of burnt-out human beings, Robomen. With their flying saucers and an army of bloodless, fleshless metal monsters. This is Invasion Earth, 2150 AD. A shattering look into the future. They're no good! The bombs are no good! Now, specific? <laughs> I, yeah, it's very specific. Yeah, no mention of Doctor Who in this one. This this is really no. as billed as a, a a Dalek film, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is really. 
Um, now, I've got no recollection of when I actually first saw this film. And I think it was, I, I think it was a good few many years after um, seeing the first one. But I've got no recollection of exactly when, though. Yeah. I've got a funny, it might have been in some school film club or something like that. I've got a funny feeling, oh, really? but I'm not 100% on that. Yeah, I would have, I would have seen it on on TV, but uh, but like you say, like a long time after the first one. I mean, it's only made a year later. And I know mean, it's kind of you, didn't you have to wait three years or something before something you know shown at the cinema would then be able to be shown on the, on the BBC. Uh, I think it was used to be three years or something. Um, but um, yeah, it, it was. Um, I mean, sometimes even longer than that because I think the. Maybe. I think something like Where Eagles There was released in nineteen sixty eight. I think that. Yeah. I think the t- the TV premiere for that one, which remember was at Christmas on BBC, it was a Boxing Day on the BBC. It was 1978 or 79. Wow. Mm, yeah, so... Like right, um, right yeah, yeah, but I remember there, there was some weird thing or some sort of weird ruling then that, that you know, you, you couldn't put a... show a cinema film on television after so many years had elapsed. It was... It was I yeah, never understood case, it, really. Well, I suppose it's in case you, you know, you reduce the takings if they screen it during that, that again during that time i don't know i mean it just seems a bit lame but um it does not it like right issue at the time maybe three years was a minimum and they, where eagles there there were more problems with the uh, alice mclean or whatever or well i think they because then they used to like just re-release movies um back then didn't they so it, it'll play yeah. for a certain amount of months and the next the next year they might release it again play it for a yeah. few more weeks and um i think it used to be a bit more sort of not like now you just get like a movie or a bunch of movies in a multiplex, then the next bunch comes along, you know, and th- yeah. then it's off into the realms of streaming or Blu-ray or whatever, never to be seen in the cinema again, unless it's a a special event or something. Yeah, or an art um, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there was a the thing they used to just just release them like a couple of years after, and so they keep maybe that's the thing. Though they're sort of like they had sort of like a, a re-release schedule if yeah, it was popular it enough, and then then it could go to television. Because obviously, this is the the days before video, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah, way, way, way. Well, that old gym, the days before video. How do we, how do we manage? I don't know, but I uh, don't know. Um, no, but but anyway, um, this movie starts off with the wonderful Bernard Cribbins, um, as uh, yes, as um, a, a policeman in this. He's not Wilf, and he's not Wilfred Mott <laughs> no. in this one. Um, Tom Camp, PC Tom Campbell. Um, and he just sort of stumbles into the tile, this bikes and trying to trying to report a robbery, yeah. That he's just failed failed to uh, to, to prevent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you get the statement of intent immediately about this film being more violent than the one before, don't you? Because um, yeah, he gets he gets a, a coshing over the head, doesn't he, uh, by the jewel thieves? Um, and yeah. he continue he continues to. <laughs> To be more more violent as as we go on, but yeah, I mean it's um it's the kind of entry you might have got in in sixties Doctor Who at someone entering the TARDIS because they need a police box. Mm. Um, so I think it yeah it works quite well. Of course, he is they're not even attempting to make him Ian or anyone. No, yeah. no, exactly. Any, any sort exactly. Of, uh, metaphor for Ian that's not the right word but you know what I mean <laughs> you know he's just yeah, a, a completely different character unrelated to the family who's a stranger to them when the film starts which is a completely different approach isn't it yeah oh totally totally also I mean as, as we said uh, we got the uh, Roberta Toby back as Susan but um, yeah. no Barbara this time we have Louise no. played by Jill Curzon yes um, 
for for uh, now I can't remember what relationship she is to the doctor. Is it another? Is it? An, is she meant to be a niece this time, yes. or a, or yes. another granddaughter? <laughs> <laughs> they remembered they had another granddaughter. No, yeah, she's supposed to be a niece. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's not explained. Maybe she's uh, Barbara's happily married with Ian somewhere and, and doesn't go on these adventures any, anymore. Uh, or unhappily married, judging by the lack of uh, chemistry between them. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, uh, yeah, Jill, uh, Jill Curzon, I think, is much, much better uh, than Jenny Linden. Um, I, I enjoyed her character a lot more and her portrayal is a lot more, there's a lot more fizz to it, I think, than. Uh, than yeah, yeah, exactly. Than the yeah. So I think she's good at. A good addition. I mean, it's getting slightly tenuous. I mean, if they made a third one, would be another another family member would turn up from somewhere else, depending on who. Well, <laughs> well apparently, the third one was meant to be based on the chase, but because yeah. this movie underperformed at the box office, that that idea was was nixed, um, yeah. unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I'm not too sure the chase would have worked as a move. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a bit too comedic, really. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, but anyway, um, back back onto back onto this one again. It kind of follows the plot beats of the of the of the TV version, mm-hmm. but severely truncated, obviously to fit in with that format. Um, I personally, this is my favourite out of the two. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I think I think I think it works better as a movie. I think the story lends itself better um, to a movie. Yeah, it's do, interesting. Do, do you feel the same way? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I think it's it's got a bigger budget. Um, I think it's um, it's better made. I mean, I think it benefits from the uh, yeah quite a lot of location work in in this, which of course everything was on that uh, admittedly fantastically impressive soundstage for the first film. Um, but it is a soundstage, yeah. and you know it's kind of hard to escape that that feeling with it. Um, yeah, I think this is a much better film. Um, yeah, the problem was because it was more expensive to make, and it didn't take as much money and then that sort of kiboshed the whole thing. But I think it, it sounds like it's a better film. I think it's, it's not, I don't think it's quite so much for kids. I showed both of these uh, to my daughter a couple of years ago. I think when she'd have been uh, nine or 10. Um, yeah. And she really liked the first one and asked to see it a couple more times. Uh, she didn't really like this mm. one because and didn't ask to see, it, didn't ask to see it again. Uh, she, you know, that says she was not used to watching anything with any violence in, and this is there's quite a lot of violence in this. I mean, like I say, it starts off with the costume of Tom. Um, the, there's a robot man who gets shot in the chest, and uh, uh, no, a robot man shoots someone in the chest, and there's like a flames burning in his chest. David um, yeah. stabs a robot man in the guts. Um, yes. And one of, uh, one of the characters gets whipped in the mouth. <clears throat> did, did you notice that? You know, the, the <laughs> no, rover, I didn't know. Yeah, the Robermen have all got these like sort of steel whips, haven't they? And one of these characters gets whipped yeah. in the mouth. It just goes round his mouth and sort of round his head. And he gets dragged out, out off screen. It's pretty uh, pretty horrible. Um, oh, I don't remember that bit, but oh, wow. Yeah, so um, it's, yeah, it's in tone, it's quite different. I mean, there's that massive, I mean, the equivalent of the stupid door opening scene from the first one is uh, Tom Campbell uh, negotiating the uh, the Robo Man sort of uh, rest period where, where he has to yeah, exactly. sleep with yeah. us and eat, eat jelly beans and then 
and all the rest of it, which again goes on too long. It's slightly, I mean, he does it very well. I mean, Roy Carlson did the comedy very well. It's just the, the comedy yeah. is not especially funny to people of our age. Maybe as a kid, I enjoyed that. I don't remember enjoying it, but maybe I did. <laughs> no, me um, neither, actually. <laughs> but, but you think no, definitely. that kind of I, thing is chucked into sort of leaven, what is quite a dour tone for the rest of the film, isn't it? And violent. Oh, it is, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very violent. I mean, I mean the... Um, I think the I mean, one of the things that impressed and still impressed me now, and I still I'm gonna go out. That's no, it's not out on the limb. I'm just gonna you know put this out there. I think that the Dalek flying saucer is probably one of the best flying saucers ever committed to celluloid. I think it looks fantastic. <laughs> I've written that really down do, in I my think, notes. I've written that exact thing down in my notes. I think it's the best flying saucer we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, because for, for for some weird reason, it doesn't look like a special effect. I think they just got the... I think it was actually filmed in actual daylight. Because mm. I think it's only on the Blu-ray version. You can just about make out the wires that are holding it. And obviously, yeah, it's because you would never see it on the cinema script. Very faintly. I think it's incredibly yeah. well done. Yeah. Um, and I think just the way it's shot and the lighting, um, they didn't try to over... Light it, or and I think, as I say, it was. I think it's more or less filmed in natural light, really, because I think it's an mm. actual actual sky behind it. Um, and I think it's absolutely fantastic, and even now it holds up really well to me. Anyway, and there's a lot of people just go, it looks like a looks like a, a plucked chicken uh, flying through sput- <laughs> through the through the sky, but um, I think it looks great, and I think the sound of the, of the saucer as well yeah. is really good. Um, and when you first see it flying over, sort of like the, the sort of the, the decimated London, mm. uh, I think it looks great. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, flying into the vicinity of Sloan Square, apparently. Sloan Square, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it looks it looks brilliant, as you say. It's a real. It's kind of visual effects. It's the star of the show, isn't it? I think, yeah. and I love that. I've yeah. always loved that scene when it de- uh, destroys the van, you know, when uh, Wyler and uh, um, Suze, Susie escape from the van and uh, it just yeah. obliterates it from above. That's an absolutely brilliant scene. And like the sound you say, I mean, you, when you've got this sort of wrecked London, um, you know, it's like almost like a doodle bug, isn't it? That, that ominous sound of that thing coming along. And that would have resonated certainly with the dads taking the. <laughs> Taking the kids to yeah, indeed, uh, yeah, to, to yeah. watch the film that would have resonated with the, the older viewers. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real triumph. The, the, the source it is. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think the... it's, given the given the uh, you know the rest, you know the restrictions of the day. That's yeah, you know, I don't think it's ever been beaten really. No, no, that's definitely. It, as they say, it, it's it's one of my favourites. I think it's my all-time favourite spaceship. Actually, mm. I think it's, uh, it's it's great. Um, Obviously, the the, the Robomen get a, uh, a makeover in this film as well because I mean, even <laughs> yeah. on the movie poster, they're front and centre, not really the Daleks, are they? They're you know yeah, they're hardly. they're firing the the guns that's at the the person looking at the poster. Um, yeah. Do you think it work, Do you think that, that that's better than the, t- the TV version? I think that the I kind of prefer the TV version. I think the film version of the Robomen are a little bit too slick. Yeah, it makes. It makes less sense the way they're portrayed. I mean, they look more menacing, um, but but the, yeah. the idea from from the program is just it's just people who have been you know, kind of zombified is a much more scary yeah. concept, you know, and turn, turned against their own kind is a much scarier concept than than this. I mean, it's a mm. some sort of sort of uh, 
Dalek seamstress who's running up all these uh, PVC outfits for the <laughs> for, for the Roman. I mean, where are they coming from? And the Daleks would not a, bother a with that. A kinky kind of seamstress stuff. that there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Someone on the King's Road has uh, uh, been yeah. kidnapped. And, uh, yes. yeah. I love working with these new fabrics. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, they, 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 I mean, they do look more menacing, but I mean, I think the concept is scarier in the, in the TV program. And, and but you know, to have all these troops of sort of well marshaled um, robomen is like a scarier, more sort of Nazi image than these kind of like yeah. zombie like staggering people who you know, don't appear to be trained in any way to that in the TV. No, <laughs> just stick a helmet on and give them instructions. Um, so yeah, it's it's give and take, I think, with the robomen in this. Yeah. Yeah, well, as you say, it, it does. Again, um, they're just doing the things that the Daleks can't do. They, they're, they're running over rough terrain, which in those days they hadn't quite figured out what to do with the Daleks. For <laughs> yeah. that, they had to be a perfectly smooth uh, smooth surface. Um, <laughs> and again, the Daleks, you've got, again, more Daleks than you can shake a stick at um, mm. in in this movie. Again, they look fantastic. Yeah. They really do. Um, I think the the attack on the, on the Dalek saucer... <laughs> Again, as you say, it's a lot more violent. You've got like you know the um, rebels being exterminated, yeah. uh, falling off tops of buildings into big piles of bricks, which which oh, is a yeah. great stunt actually. The way it, the way it was framed, it, it looked really good. Um, yeah, he yeah broke so his, they, this they really the ante. <laughs> So yeah, he, he did. The, yeah, the guy broke his ankle doing doing that, and then had to, to carry the scene on. And then he was stunt coordinator for the rest of the film, so he did all that in a in a cast. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and Poor guy. another another accident during the, the like the sorcerer attack was uh, you know that Dalek that gets pushed down the ramp. Um, yeah, it, it falls over and catches fire at the end. Um, apparently, it wasn't supposed mm. to. It caught it, it generated a spark on the way down and and caught fire. And there's a guy inside oh. that, uh, and they had to drag him out really quickly. Luckily, he wasn't injured, but. Um, yeah, it was a very uh, scary oh moment for, for all concerned. I mean, it looks great on screen, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In reality, that one was one of those a, sort of ha- happy, happy accidents there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As it, as it turned out, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a great yeah. scene when they, when they do that. And I mean, oddly, the, you know, Dortmund's bombs are not supposed to work, are they? They seem to work quite a no. lot before they stop working. <laughs> You know, there's yeah. lots, of, <laughs> lots of Daleks getting blown up before, uh, you know, I think Wyler tries to chuck a load of bombs and they don't work right at the end, but maybe they're that's just right. rel- yeah. not reliable, I suppose. Uh, maybe that's the problem. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the, like the set pieces, the big set pieces, and it really works well. It's it's, it's got a lot of pace, doesn't it? A lot, a lot of action. It's good. It has, yeah. I mean, obviously, they, they, as, you, as you said with the first one, they, they've cut a lot of the fat um, mm. From from the, the TV version, you know things like the slither, for argument's sake, uh, <laughs> yeah. from, which to this day I still don't know what he's doing there in in the in the, uh, the Hartnell version. But uh, yes, yeah, so they wisely moved with a bloke in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's just really, but you you do get the the the, the brilliant Philip Maddock. Oh um, yeah, yeah. In in this film. Um, he, he seems to be very good at playing turncoats, actually, Philip Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he almost but, steals uh, the show, doesn't he? I mean, it's only a cameo, really, isn't it? But he, he almost steals yeah, he's, the show. Yeah, he is, yeah. Well, you know, um, going go on to starring Doctor Who, or uh, sort of like, sort of roles in Doctor Who from, from here on in, really, but uh, from, from mm. this, almost from this film. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's another really, really good actor, which I, I don't think I've ever seen 
again, like Cushion, never never put in a bad performance. I think also like Andrew Keir oh, um, yeah, yeah. as well, really, because um, I, I think re- I think I had seen before this. I think I seen quite a mess in the pit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I knew him as, as, as Professor Quatermass mm. before seeing this. So he was known to me. And I think he was... Now, I think he was also in an Australian series that was show. It was always seemed to be on the summer holidays on ITV. It also featured an actor called James Lawrenson. It was quite popular in the series. It was always on TV in the 70s. Um, uh, yeah. Have you seen Pink Floyd, The Wall? Yes. The film. A long time ago. Yeah, a long time he plays he, well, he plays Pink's dad, who gets oh, killed at the, in the army at the beginning. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. But it, but uh, Andrew Kill's in this. Uh, I sort of go way off topic here. I'm just sort of, I'm just, it's the the mad ramblings of Phil now. But um, <laughs> he it was him and him and Andrew Kill in, in this this uh, Australian TV series. I think it was called Boney. And, he, and James Lawrenson played a detective, and I think Andrew Keir was meant to be the, the one of the, the Aussie locals. But as I'd say, Andrew Keir wasn't Australian. I don't, I'm not. No. I don't think he was anyway. No, so. <laughs> That's a bit. Yeah, I, don't but remember, I, talk, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. No, no, but yeah, but I, I've never seen it repeated um, at all. Now, when I sort of mention the, you know, remember an Australian TV series called Boney, I just get these blank looks come back from people. <laughs> Pretty much what like you're giving me now, Jim. So. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> if it helps I'll pretend I remember it <laughs> just don't ask me any searching questions <laughs> no I won't no <laughs> but anyway um, anyway that, yeah. that's, that's a little little, uh, a little offshoot there but um, yeah so um, but again I've always liked Andrew King things I've seen him in yeah, I've always thought yeah. he was a, a decent actor yeah he's really. great great um, in this you know he, he's um, he sort of looks after Susie for most of most of this uh, I don't, it's a yeah. nice sort of nice sort of scene, which kind of annoyed me the first couple of times I remember watching. But but I can see why it's in there now. And that's um, you know when they're going through the woods after the van's been mm. destroyed, just before they meet the two uh, turncoat uh, women with the food and stuff. Um, yes, she she jumps out at him and, and says boo, doesn't she? Uh, and he's not having it at yeah. all. He he doesn't think that's at all funny. But I think it's a quite clever reminder of just how young Susie actually is. And you know what kids her age should be doing, rather than <laughs> uh, being in you know, like a, a war-torn, Dalek-destroyed uh, Britain. Um, so I actually think it's, <laughs> I now think right. it's quite a nice touch, uh, where I used to find it yeah. slightly irritating. But uh, yeah, he's, he's really good. He's, he has to carry quite a lot of scenes, doesn't he? And, yeah, because he's got a child actor with him. Although she's very good, you know, she's only a child, so he has to, he's carries yeah. those scenes really well because he's. You know, pretty much a leading man anyway in, in a lot of things. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, it's um, really nice I think as I, well, as I, I think I understand because he he he's quite prominent um, in this Andrew Care, and as I understand it, Peter Cushing was ill during yeah. the filming of this uh, film, wasn't he? So that's to sort of rejig quite a few scenes to sort of sort of almost like write him out. Um, really, at certain points. So I'm beginning to wonder now whether that's why Andrew Care's a little bit more prominent than Peter Cushing. Yeah, maybe it would have been um, Susie and the Doctor uh, doing all that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. I mean, even though it's sort of like Susan and and um, Wyler does follow the, the you know the TV version a lot more closely, so it, from from that perspective, it, it sort of it follows the same kind of thing, really. Uh, with but David, obviously, there is, <laughs> she's too young for any of that, of that <laughs> yeah, nonsense. That would, with, that with, exactly. Um, no, exactly. Um, but obviously played by Ray Brooks, um, 
who yes. then I would have known, known as the voice of Mr. Ben. Of course. Mm. Yeah. The boy with the, um, the, boy with the but, knack. You get in the trailer. Yes. Have you ever seen the knack? Yeah, exactly. Um, do you know what? I don't think I have, actually. Yeah, it's an old... Uh, is that is that the one with Michael Crawford in it as well? Yeah, Michael Crawford, uh, Rita Tushin, uh Ray Brooks. Uh, yeah, I think Ray Brooks, from memory, is quite a few years since I watched it. Ray Brooks is trying to teach... Um, I nearly said Frank Spencer. Uh, Michael Crawford <laughs> is uh, t- trying to teach him the knack, which is, you know, how to pull women, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a good film. It's very, very 60s. It's from a stage play, I believe, and, it, and it, some of it shouts stage play at you there's a really quite a scene yeah. now that's almost unwatchable where um, they're all sort of talking quite jokely about the female character being raped and you think well, that doesn't oh, really god it uh, doesn't really work i mean she's joining in which is even weirder it's it's a quite an odd oh, scene god which Hang doesn't on. really play I, I, very actually, well no i just say isn't i just had a thought isn't the neck of michael winner film oh yeah it might be one of his early ones yeah could be that might be why I haven't seen it then. <laughs> well, you you blanked him so, out. Have you completely? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I think he's a bloody awful director. Actually, yeah, well, he is. <laughs> yeah, or, or or was actually. <laughs> yeah, um, yes. yeah, no longer. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Getting back to uh, yeah. <laughs> let's move off the topic of Michael Winner and his strange, uh, yeah. his, yeah, <laughs> his strange sort of uh, um, attitudes towards women. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll get back to this. So um, it, it obviously it, it still sort of follows the whole thing with, the, you know, the, um, the the Earth's core being drilled out so the Daleks can pilot it around, around the galaxy. Well, <laughs> it's you it's would, still a you? mad concept. <laughs> <laughs> still mad. Um, and also and sort of like s- why they chose... Be- oh, because why did they choose Bedford to do it as well? <laughs> Well, have you been to Bedford? If you're going to drill anyway, you might as well drill there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if any listeners are from uh, from Bedford. From um, Bedford, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the idea is supposed to be that's where there's a, like a fault in the in the upper mantle or whatever they're trying to drill drill through. So it, yeah, that's how they get to the, get to the, the core. But I mean, it makes slightly more sense in the TV version in the sense that they. They want to pilot it, not just like a to joyride it around the universe. Um, uh, they want to, to they want to pilot it to Scaro and live there on it, presumably because Scaro's irradiated AF. So, yeah, um, maybe that that's the idea. But you know, there must be better better ways of you can't just go to the, the nearest planet to Scaro and invade that. You know, I, I, I don't know. The other thing is, it wants all this uh, magnetic. Um, field has been released in the earth no one does anything to remedy that afterwards do they so i mean no it's, it's just it's sort of yeah <laughs> the, the polarity like is reversed <laughs> exactly and that is it <laughs> yeah, exactly a few daleks there. nothing else metal goes down there by the way there's a there's a huge um like a sentry post thing in there or the, some sort of thing yeah. with metal legs which stays still throughout the, the whole magnetic thing and there's only the daleks to go flying in um <laughs> Well, so, um, who, who knew the Earth's core was so selective? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it is around Bedford. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's but does it, I, 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 maybe I'm, because I, I, I didn't have time to watch this one before we recorded, but am I, and it has been sometimes since I've seen it, um, doesn't this at the end when, when the Daleks all sort of, sort of suck down into the Earth's core, isn't there a scene where you see like a Dalek get sort of crushed? Yeah, it's brilliant. 
It's really it's, good. Yes, so I did remember it right. Yeah, because I thought that looked great. That looked absolutely really well done for its day. Yeah, I don't know what they did. I mean, it must be made of some kind of thin a model made of thin material, and they just created a vacuum in it and it just pulled it pulled it down. Yeah, uh, it looks brilliant. <laughs> it's really good. Um, yeah. A lot of the stuff, a lot of those bits of that sequence don't because they use the Rolikin Daleks, which are not the right shape. Um, no, you know when those the, occasionally you see them. I think in the Planet of the Daleks they use them, don't they? For when they the Doctor peers down and you see them all in that kind of ice cave, all lined up. That's just, right. Completely yeah. wrong wrong shape they're quite cleverly the the editing is very very quick when they use a rolling dialect in, in this film um but if you know what they look like you can see what they've done uh, yeah if you, you think, know you know it's one of those things isn't yeah, it? yeah. But you think the budget would would stretch them to making some accurate models but maybe they just thought it was too too good an opportunity to miss just to yeah, but plus, it's it's more product placement. You know, get as much, Rody can get as much product well, no, placement he... as Sugar Puffs does in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! No, I, I, you know what? I, I think, and also, um, the ending to this film is a lot more satisfying um, than the ending to, to the to the first film, where they take. I mean, God, I mean, God with this one, there's there's no worries about sort of causing any sort of t- t- collapse of the of the time-space continuum. They just take Tom back before, to before he got coshed on the head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he can foil the robbery. Um, yeah, and then wave the butterfly like effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's not that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, which I thought was a, a nicer, a nicer way to tie up the movie, I, I, I felt, actually, by taking Tom back to his own time rather than dicking around in the TARDIS at the end. Yeah, it's just nicely circular, isn't it? You, you, uh, yeah. In our end is our beginning. Yeah, 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 it's quite nice. I mean, it, it, I, I thought there was a bit of a problem with that, the, the, the Doctor being able to pilot the TARDIS that accurately because he had to get it right to the minute practically, didn't he? Uh, to get time in the right place. Yeah. Um, you know, considering what happened in the first one. But the first film, he does actually say you, you press the dematerialisation lever before I'd set the coordinates. So it just... You know, that was like a random landing. Yeah. Uh, which makes you yeah, wonder, I mean, exactly. if, he's that, if he's that accurate at piloting TARDIS, did he mean to end up in 2150 in, in, <laughs> uh, in, in Britain, in London? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Actually, we haven't really, we haven't really sort of spoken about Peter Cushing much with this film. Um, I suppose, really, he just sort of carries on where he left off from mm. the previous one, really. But I, I, I think he sort of played it slightly more energetic, when he was in it, um, that then the first, it wasn't quite as so much as the doddery old grandfather. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a bit more dynamic. He's got more to do like that in this film, hasn't he? Um, there's yeah, a bit more, bit more action for him to get involved in. As you say, he was ill at the time, but he, you know, he pulls it off well. And he's yeah, the portrayal is less mannered than it is in the first film, which is to its benefit, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, it's very good in this, I think. Just on the subject of it being twenty-one fifty, um, they make no mm. attempt, do they? To they don't really make any attempt in the in the TV version. And they make no attempt here to depict a future uh, Britain because you don't see anywhere else a future future Bedford no. and, and London. <laughs> um, I mean, at least they made the attempt in the, the TV version that the van they get. Um, is from a museum, so it's you know it's a museum piece. It's not the, what people were driving mm. around at the time. They don't even do that here. So I, I don't. If I was, I mean, it has to be slightly into the future, doesn't it? Because the, the invasion has already been successful, so you can't say it's next year or something. Really, 
uh, you know, no, ni- set in nineteen sixty seven AD or something would, wouldn't uh, wouldn't work. So it has to be. Little, I think like two thousand or something like that as as a ring to it. Uh, that extra sort of um, hundred and fifty years just doesn't really work. I don't know why they've done it. If you're, no. you're going to if you're going to stray from the original in the ways that they have, which is not hugely, but you know they've been selective about what they take and what they don't take from the original. Um, I think they could have just made that just in this in the near future. They could have done it, but I think I suppose the it's a it adds more drama to the title, doesn't it? It's Dark Invasion title, of twenty one fifty AD. You know, it's even put the AD yeah. in there as well. You know, <laughs> yeah. which there's no need for. Um, but yeah, it, it, it sounds dramatic, and I suppose the um, one thing I never got from this or the televised version is how long this Dalek occupation has has been. Hmm. Really, um, has it been decades? Has it just been a couple of years? I mean, it's never it's never really explained satisfactorily to my liking. And as you say, adding on 150 years um, onto it, that doesn't really help at all, really, does it? Because it still looks like 1960s Britain. Actually, it looks like um, 1960s Britain where they just haven't really repaired the bomb sites left over from the war. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I think they. I think they, because we covered it in on the Queenie podcast, the uh, Dalek Invasion uh, TV version. I think it's supposed. Mm. It's not very long because I remember us thinking it. It was weird that the some people are supposed to revert to savagery living in the sewers, and it just wasn't long enough for that to to have happened. So it's like a year or less, no. I think, or something like that. Um, but I mean, for them, to, if the Daleks are that efficient, you know, if there's any resistance left, it, it can't be that long after the invasion, can it? Because you'd think yeah. eventually they, they'll just all be wiped out, and there'd be there'd be no, no one for the Doctor to work with, sort of thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I, mean, I think it works as an exciting title, but that's the only place where it, where it works. You have to put the yeah. AD on, or other, otherwise, some people think, well, I'm not watching that. I didn't see. Dalek Invasion one. <laughs> one, one has, How many it? sequels do you need? I think um, I think it is a shame because I think obviously this one didn't perform as well at the bo- at the box office, and I think it's a shame really because um, I think it was planned. Obviously, they had this planned one, but but apparently there's meant to be another planned one in the eighties. I think that Milosevsky. Yes. Tried to get off the ground, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Doctor Who's Greatest Adventure, I think it was called. Um, it's supposed yeah. to be... Sorry, it's my dog. Um, it's supposed to be uh, like a dinosaur thing, a bit like Jurassic Park, apparently. Uh, the idea was behind it was... Um, yeah. yeah. That's... At the end of that... Um, uh, uh, Dalek Mania documentary is the only time I've ever heard anything about that. I don't know any more about it than that. No, me neither. I was all know is that they did plan a third Dalek movie in the sixties, but obviously never like, yeah. never came to anything because of the performance of this one. Um, yeah. And that's why I was surprised to hear about this other one. They tried to get going in the in the in the nineteen eighties, um, and that's that's and that, even that's separate to Tom Baker's Scratchman um, yeah. movie. What he to do with uh, Ian Marta? Um, but yeah, but if I mean, we've been chatting about these two movies for the last sort of you know hour or so now um for for any listeners out there who haven't seen 
these movies because they sort of they they've shied away from it because it's got nothing to do with the tele the TV version. Uh, <laughs> would would you recommend them to oh, those d- people? D- oh, definitely, yeah. You would just just put aside any sort of worries about canon and all the rest of it. Just treat them for what they are, which is, um, you know, quite sort of. I think quite sort of good natures. I mean, they're cashing in the Dalek popularity, but you're not. I think in a sort of uh, money grubbing sort of un- unfeeling sort of way. I think they're quite charming films with the heart, the heart in the right place sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just a sort of different angle on on Doctor Who. I mean, you can imagine a sort of parallel universe where the Doctor isn't Gallifrey and he's just a bloke who managed to to invent a time machine and dimensional transcendence in, in his backyard. <laughs> yes, which, exactly. Yeah, but strange I mean, unity slightly. It does a bit, but I think you just take it at face value that they don't yeah. spend any time in setting that up. That it's just sort of like mm. he's got a TARDIS, he's called Doctor Who in this as well. Um, yes. and then off he goes. That's it, the adventure begins. And I think it, there's nothing there's nothing cynical about these films at all. As you say, it, it, mm. it was made at the height of Dalek mania as, as opposed to Doctor Who mania, really. Yeah. Um, and but you say it's it's you, you could have some sort of argument saying, yes, it's it's a cash grab to cash in on Dalek Mania. But there's there's nothing cynical about these movies at all. They're, I think they're both really good fun to watch. Yeah, they've got a sort of charm to it. I mean, a lot of that comes from Peter Cushing, but I think the whole thing is sort of quite charming. I mean, for us, it's got that, that sort of archive quality as, as well, isn't it? Um, I, mean, I love yeah. uh, 50s and 60s British cinema. It's sort of my favourite period really so i would love this film even if i wasn't interested in doctor who i think um just because yeah. it's, it's a real slice of of that um and you know if you if you don't like doctor who be like a bit of sci-fi it's well worth a watch as well you know just watch it alongside you know forbidden planet or anything else you mm. know for, of that you know sort of vintage you know those that sort of 20 years of filmmaking or something it's just yeah, I, I think if you're a Doctor Who fan and you haven't watched them, then you're missing out on something. I, yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. I think they're, they're great fun. Um, and if you haven't watched them at home, go and watch them now. Go and watch them now. You probably They're probably lurking on Amazon Prime or Netflix somewhere, but or just go and buy the Blu-rays, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely on ITVX and um, uh, what remains of BritBox. Um yeah, because that's how I watch them yes. this time around. So yeah, they're on, and they're yeah, high definition yeah. as well. So um, yeah, it's um, it's quite yeah they widescreen high uh, high definition. They look they look really good. Look fantastic. Good. Well, nice. there's no excuse then. Go and watch them. Go and watch get, them. Get on so, with it. I mean, we spoil every get on with it. Bit, bit of it. But I oh, know we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Well, Jim, it's been absolutely fantastic chatting to you for the for last. Uh, hour or so um and it was uh yeah i'll say th- thank you thank you for picking that subject because um i, I think sometimes they can get so sort of not not overlooked the the, the the cushion dalek movies but they just sort of get pushed to one side and i think i think it's yeah. just important to remind people they're still there uh to, to be enjoyed so um so, so, so thank you for, for for suggesting that as the topic of conversation today Oh well, you're you're welcome. It's, it's something that hasn't really fitted into either of the formats of my usual podcast, so it's nice to finally get to to talk about them. 
uh, obviously always a pleasure Excellent. coming on to, to talk to you so it's, it's been really good fun Thank indeed you. mate it's, it's a long long overdue return to, to the show um, and as you mentioned your 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 podcast would you uh, care to tell um, our listeners where to um, find your podcast well yeah the crinoid podcast and the mutide podcast there's loads of uh, crinoids and about was it 13 episodes of uh, uh, the mutide podcast all, all the usual places really um, I think we're on well, we're on iTunes and uh, Spotify and Audible. Um, yeah, anywhere you find your podcast, if you look us up, um, you should have very little trouble in finding us. There we go, everybody. So I will put some links in the show notes uh, where to find uh, Jim and Martin's wonderful podcasts. Jim, thank you so much for joining me, and um, we'll have to get you back again very, very soon. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks very much. Yes, thank you, Jim. I uh, hope you enjoy listening to that at home. And uh, if you haven't seen the Peter Cushing movies, um, as I said earlier, please go and watch them. They're an awful lot of fun um, and I think really good movies uh, for, for their day. So um, coming up this week on the Who's He podcast, um, it's, I'm joined by another special guest. That's J.R. Southall uh, from the Strangers in Space podcast. And we are talking about... Well, podcasting in general, really, um, how we started in podcasting and why we started in podcasting, what our intentions uh, were for our respective shows. And this is the, or will be, the first part of a two-part um, podcast. Uh, it's quite a lengthy one. We actually ran out of time uh, discussing <laughs> discussing this, so uh, we, we've we've planned a part two to come as well. So part one is coming in a couple of days' time this week, so... Um, there we go. We're sort of really up in the ante with the uh, with the content uh, this week, and before it all goes quiet again. So there we are. So until next time, then thanks very much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. You can download this podcast from iTunes, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, and through your podcatcher of choice. If you would care to leave us some feedback on iTunes, that would be very much appreciated. You can also find us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast, on the Who's He Podcast Facebook group, and through our website, who's hyphen he hyphen podcast.co.uk.